What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 35 of the Vitality Unleashed podcast. We are your hosts, Dylan and Lauren, and today is Q&A Friday. So we are answering questions that you guys have asked us throughout the week. If you want your questions answered in the future, DM us, leave a five-star review on the podcast with your question, anything like that, and we will answer your question on the Friday Q&A 100%. Yes, I love Friday Q&As into all of our clients watching and the community right now. We have all of the questions we got from the question box written down as well. So we will be covering all of those too. So no need to waste time. We have a pretty good amount of questions to get into here. So let's just hop right into it. First question, how long would you guys recommend stretching before and after a workout well i would say um it can depend on the workout can depend on your body but i don't stretch at all (laughs) which is probably bad no it's you're not supposed to be doing any type of static stretching before a workout if you're going to do any type of stretching or warming up it needs to be dynamic before a workout static stretching after we are definitely both very, very bad about stretching. Yeah. So, but what we do is that we will take like three, four warm up sets uh, in our first movement before we even start getting the movement down. So, that's really how we warm up. Yeah. The best way to warm up for a specific movement is by doing the movement that you're going to be doing. So, even if it's just you're about to go into barbell squats, warm up doing bodyweight squats, doing that same movement pattern, and then slowly work your way up. You never want to just jump right into your working set number. If you're programmed, say, three sets of 12, you do not just hop right away into that first set. You need to warm up so you're ready to hop into your top weight. Exactly, guys. Trust me, if you do some static stretching and then just put your top weight on the bar and go squat, you're going to get injured. That is Yeah, but static stretching is great for after a workout, anywhere from three to 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but definitely a little bit of static stretching after the workout will not hurt at all. Yeah, it can definitely help prevent some muscle soreness in the future. Next question here. Should you increase protein in a bulk? Um, I mean, yes and no, like to an extent, yes, because of course your calories are going up, so you can definitely push protein higher, but at the same time, it is capped to where your digestion can take it. Yeah, there's a lot of different parts to this because a lot of people do actually have higher protein in a cut than you do in a bulk because especially as your appetite starts to hit its high point, as you start to get a lot fuller, Protein is the macro that is going to be filling you up the most. So once your appetite does start to decap, you might start pulling back a little bit on protein. Or if your digestion is kind of not so good right now, the first macro that you would pull back on is that protein. But you still do want to make sure the whole time you do have at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. But on top of that, you know, you don't need to go too much above that on your bulk. That's not necessarily the macro that you're going to be increasing. Exactly. One gram of protein per pound of body weight, especially on a bulk, is completely fine. Cut. Some people will say you can go up to like 1.3 grams, 
But really, it's not going to make that big of a difference. As long as you're one gram per pound of body weight, you're going to be fine. Yeah, when you're changing macros so often, say you're in a reverse diet or a building phase, your protein is rarely ever going to change. The one that's going to change the most is carbs because that's really what you can push the most of that your body can digest the easiest and that you don't get as full eating them. Yeah, and with carbs, when you're cutting, uh, they go down the furthest because that's the macronutrient that your body doesn't technically need. Uh, like you need fiber from carbs. I'm going to say that now, but you don't need any of these like simple carbohydrates in your diet. So a lot of times your protein and your fat will stay relatively stagnant while you're just hammering carbs down, hammering carbs down. Some people think, Oh yeah, it goes zero carb. That's what helps me lose weight. I'm like, yeah, because you're in a calorie deficit, but you're, you're actually only taking carbs down when we're doing that is because you just actually need fat and protein. So those just aren't as essential. It's not because carbohydrates are what are making you fat. Yeah, for sure. All right, next question. How do you know what division is the best for you? Ask your coach. Ask your coach first off, but some good rules of thumb to go for. Bikini, if you've been lifting for anything less than five years, it is 99% likely that you're going to be in bikini. And you guys, like these high-level bikini athletes, they have fucking muscle. Like you might be looking at someone who's competing at a local show and be like, oh, well, I have more muscle than that. That doesn't matter because you want to have muscle to be competitive and these girls have muscle and it takes time to actually have that muscle maturity to build a bikini physique. Yeah, just literally go to npcnewsonline.com, go look at the 2023 nationals, go look at the winners and you can see how much fucking muscle they have. It is a lot. And just because you think like, oh, I might be a little bit bigger in size than them right now because you have a lot of body fat on your frame, When you get shredded, you are going to be so much smaller than you think. Always keep that in mind. You might just hold a lot of body fat on your legs. That's what happens a lot when girls think that they need to do wellness, but then they get shredded and they're like, damn, my legs aren't even big enough for bikini. Exactly. 100%. Uh, Shout out Lammy, one of our friends. Uh, (laughs) She, it's hilarious. Like she did post on her Instagram story and she was like a quote, I think I'm uh, meant for wellness just because she held all of her body fat in her legs. And then she did bikini and like, no, she could actually put some muscle on her legs for bikini. It's just fucking insane. Yeah. The amount of muscle that you need for any division is definitely over overlooked a lot but if you're super leg heavy you've been training for five or more years and you just know you have a ton of lower body development then wellness is going to be the best option in wellness you actually want your lower body to overtake your upper body so you actually want to be unbalanced that's the only bodybuilding division where you want to be not balanced yeah but to be frank if you want to be really competitive in wellness winning nationals probably going to have to be enhanced like yeah, just going to make that 100%. very clear the muscularity and wellness how much leg muscle they have in wellness is not achievable naturally for 99 percent of the human population yeah of course there's a genetic freak one out of a thousand people maybe but it's very very unlikely that you can be competitive at the top level in wellness and be able to build that muscle in under 10 years naturally Exactly, guys. And in figure, that's when you just have a lot of muscle all around, really. You have mm-hmm. well-developed legs, well-developed upper body, a nice V-taper and your lats, and just a lot of fucking muscle. Yeah, I would say uh, for the quad-dominant girlies out there, 
that's when you're probably more of a figure girl than you are wellness. Like a lot of uh, figure girls, you're going to see their physiques. If you actually look at their glutes, their glutes are not like popping, round, huge, like uh, wellness girls. Uh, wellness girls' glutes are like squared. They're so muscular yeah, now. Yeah, they're so but big. figure isn't like that. So if you are really quad dominant and you find that you really struggle growing your glutes, probably just go for something like figure and that's going to be your best bet. For sure, for sure. What are your current macros? Uh, these just got changed yesterday. I am currently at 520 carb. Too much. 155 protein. My protein actually just got decreased because I'm really struggling with my appetite and 75 grams of fat, typically around like 40 grams of fiber. Okay, I am at 525 grams of carbs. 240 grams of protein and 55 fat. Yeah, I'd say we're probably pretty similar calorie wise because, your because so much higher. yeah, your protein is so much higher, but my fat is so much higher. So with how many more calories for yeah, fat, I'm I'd at, say I I'm don't like know. 3550 right now. I'm around 3500 too. So yeah. we're pretty much eating the same amount of calories right now. It's crazy, but I've been working to catch up. I'm going to be passing her now for sure. <laughs> um, do you have a show picked? No, neither of us have a show picked right now. I have kind of an idea of potentially sometime in 2025, of course, probably between August and the end of the year. Or yeah, 2024. I'm going to compete this year and he'll probably be next year. Yeah, 2025 for me, late 2025. That's all I can say for sure because I just want to give it as much time as possible. Who knows? Maybe I'll do a summer shredding show again. We'll just see how NPC shows line up because NPC is the priority. Pro cards the priority, but... That could be in the cards. Yep. Um, how to know what macro you should adjust on a weekly basis? Um, majority of the time, it's going to be carbohydrates. That's going to be majority of the case. Uh, like Lauren actually mentioned earlier, like digest. if you're having digestive issues, then I would go protein. Um, other than that, it's almost always going to be carbs. I would say once you get your fat to a just like baseline level which for most people it's gonna be around like 60 grams or so you'll slowly for men i'd say 50 women women do need more fat in their diet so of course there's it's just so dependent on where your calories are at but a good baseline for women if you're not on competition prep um you shouldn't really try to go below 50 that's a good rule of thumb yeah now if you're severely under eating uh coming out like obviously that's going to be a little bit different because you don't want like 50 percent of your fat your diet to be fat uh but yeah that's what you want to work up to so it's like once you work up your fat like women 60 70 for most women that's going to be fine men it's going to be something like 45 to 60 then you're going to be fine there protein one gram per pound of body weight and then the rest carbs yeah, so carbs are going to be the macro adjusted 99% of the time for sure. Um, do you have to take PEDs to compete? Um, you do not have to take PEDs to compete. We actually have natural federations as well. So if you want to compete, you can absolutely go compete in natural federations. Do you want to be competitive in the NPC, IFBB? Probably. You can be absolutely competitive in the NPC naturally 100%. but. Bikini. Yeah, in bikini, but if you are wanting to get your pro card, you know, go on to the top pro level, compete at the top pro level, yes, most of them are on hands. That's not saying they all are. There, I know a few 
um, natural athletes that have gotten their pro card. So it's possible, but you're going to have to have the patience because it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, it takes way longer for sure, like over a decade of training if you want to get your pro card naturally. And that's in bikini. Any other uh, division, it's even more unlikely. Yeah. It is po- there are some freaks of nature out there, like classic physique guys who just uh, naturally have that super, super small waist where aesthetically they're just such freaks that they can get their pro card even without the size. But that is just not common. For sure. I gained a lot of weight after my show. Is this normal? Um, you would have to define a lot. But is it normal to gain some weight after your show relatively quickly? I would say yes. For most people, you're going to like probably put on um, obviously some water weight because you were probably cutting water into your show. Um, you're going to be eating slowly eating more food. So putting on like depending on your size, like five pounds, like quickly post show, it's probably uh, OK. But if you're putting on like 15, 20, 30 pounds, like within like a month of show then that's when it starts getting worrisome yeah i know like myself i'll typically like almost immediately put on five pounds after my Mm -hmm. show after eating just like one cheat meal but then if your body keeps going up at that rate that's when it's a problem okay if you gain five pounds a day after your show because you had a giant cheat meal that's normal just because of a ton of sodium and water retention but then if you keep going up five pounds every fucking day or even every week that is way too fast so yes It is normal to immediately gain a little bit of weight after your show, but you really want to make sure that it's not going up rapidly for an extended period of time. Yeah, 100%. Like that is definitely the thing that I would say is the hardest part of competing, actually reverse dieting properly because so many people are so food focused by the time they get out of prep, which is exactly why we tell you if you want to compete, please hire your coach like a year in advance so then they can build up your metabolism. They can make sure your relationship with food is good. So when you get into prep, reversing afterwards won't be as hard. Yeah. So many people think, oh, I just need a coach for prep. But I'm like, no, no, no. You need a coach for off season, pre prep, prep, reverse diet, your next off season. Like it's not just a one and done type of thing. Like the longer that you're with your coach and you allow them to get to know your body and see what works for you, the more successful it's going to be on both ends. So having someone there for you post-show is also so important. I know some people will just pay their coach for the exact amount of time of their comp prep. You guys, that is such a bad idea. That's fucking stupid. Like I'll just tell you, like you're fucking stupid if you do that. Like, Like guys, the problem is also you want to be a successful competitor, have your coach year round because that's showing that you're fucking disciplined. If you if you're only hiring coaches for preps, then you're like, well, I'm going to take my off season off. I'm going to go eat like shit and go party or whatever the fuck you're doing. Well, guess what? You are never going to win ever, 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 because pros live the bodybuilding lifestyle year round. Exactly. And it's a completely different story if you're an advanced experienced athlete and you are confident that you know how to handle your off season by yourself. Like we have both confidently handled our own off seasons by ourselves. Um, if you know how to do that and you think like you're good at sticking to your plan, like you don't need someone to hold you accountable. Yeah. I know I don't need someone to hold me accountable. I literally just have my coach because I want someone to have like kind of that second eye, but I don't need yeah. anybody to hold me accountable necessarily. Yeah. In that case, it's still even higher hiring your coach for that second eye and just always having then your coach has all your data for your entire season. It's going to make you a more successful competitor. Like period, plain and simple. But yes, if you're a super advanced athlete, super knowledgeable in nutrition, you're a coach yourself, then yeah, you can probably self-coach your off season because your hunger cues aren't going to be as bad. Your ghrelin's not going to be like through the roof. 
Um, because of your appetite not being bad, you can manage it. But like things like prep, reverse dieting, coach, 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 no matter what. Yes, I know me personally, like my issue, if I were to prep myself, like I would try to like, I would try to like do way too much. Like I would try to like pull my calories down too fast, do too much cardio just because like yeah. I'm worried I'm not going to be ready yeah. fast enough. But just having someone that's like, okay, chill. You don't need to do all of this. Like I got you. It's so helpful because truly like when you're in that headspace, like you just cannot see your physique like other people see it. Yeah. And for me, it would be like, I just be super reactive. Like it's like if I didn't lose weight for like one week, I'd exactly. be like, oh, fucking drop it, drop it. Like definitely like that's what would go through my head. And I know a lot of athletes, like if their weight doesn't move for even a week on prep, they're like so worried or even lifestyle clients, sometimes their weight won't drop for a week. I'm like, you've lost over 10 pounds in the last four weeks. You didn't lose weight for one week. Let's chill out. It's so normal. And especially, especially for women, because one week you're in your luteal phase and then you're menstruating. Like there's just so many mm-hmm. things that happen hormonally that your weight will fluctuate so much. And it's, it happens probably 90% of the time that your weight will spike up a little bit before your cycle starts and so many other things. So especially if you're a woman, do not stress if your weight is fluctuating a little bit over the month because that is actually a sign that your body is functioning how it's supposed to. Yes, what I would do is if you're really worried about your weight, make sure to take uh, your weekly average. So weigh yourself daily, take a weekly average, and that's going to give you the most accurate way. And still female, uh, pre-cycle, end your cycle can still be retaining water, bloated, things like that. So always just account for that in your weigh-in. I would say typically um, my females are up one, two pounds. Some of them will spike up three pounds and then they'll just drop immediately after. So you can expect that. Don't worry. You're completely fine. If you're sticking your plan, doing what you're supposed to do, I promise you, you're not all of a sudden gaining three pounds. Yeah. And by the way, we have one more question, but if anyone is in here and wants to ask a question, go ahead and drop in the chat and we'll, we'll get to it right after we finish this one. But last question we have here is how low do calories get on prep? Um, I would say for males, I would say realistically, like males will probably get to like 1500 calories. A lot of them, um, on prep, it's very different based on where your starting point is. Are you on PEDs? Things like that can all make an impact. But sub 2K, I would say very, very common. Yeah, for males, for sure. And again, this is so person dependent. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that impacts how low your calories get is your off season, is yeah. how you treated your pre-prep phase, how high your calories got. Because of course, if you are able to start prep on 3000 calories, your calories are not going to get as low as a girl who starts prep on 1400 calories and you guys i see this so often girls will start their prep eating like 1400 1500 calories anywhere less than 2k is way too low 2k is way too low i don't like it's ridiculous of course there's some girls that weigh like 90 pounds but yeah like of course your conditioning your body composition also plays a role in that because that impacts how much fat you do have to lose exactly so trying to start prep Ideally, 2,500 calories or higher unless you're a very, very small girl, like 120 pounds or less, then sometimes you can get away with a little bit lower. But then you also need to expect that your calories are going to get very low. And um, I, for women, I've seen calories ranging all over the place. Some people will end up prep on 2,000 calories. Some people will end up prep on 500 calories a day. Like It's not healthy and it's not good. But even if you do everything right, 
sometimes shit just happens and you have to dig really, really deep. Like sometimes it just happens. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Especially if you're on hormonal birth control. Oh, if you're on hormonal birth control, like God, like God help you. Your body's going to fight you every step of the way. Like I've seen it so many times now. It's just, it's doing the complete opposite of what you are trying to do. So if you're on hormonal birth control, trying to go through a prep, you should definitely expect it to be a lot harder. Yeah. I would definitely recommend like finding another alternative. Like you're going to like, it's going to genuinely be detrimental to your health, detrimental to your prep, everything. So just that's definitely something to consider guys let's be real you're probably not even going to be fertile so (laughs) oh my god yeah no like come on like most women's cycle is gonna like stop at some point become a regular like are you really worried about getting pregnant and i promise you you're not gonna have a sex drive when you're eating a thousand calories like (laughs) yeah come on come on yeah well that is all the questions we have on here right now we're okay he's gonna go check see if we have any other questions Y'all are up on our computer screen right now, so. There we go. Got two in the circle. I see Hunter. What are they? Um, Hunter asked for dumbbell front raises, so you keep thumbs to the sky or the back of your hands to the sky for dumbbell front raises. Back of your hands to the sky or thumbs to the sky. I mean, that can be a little bit person dependent for sure. How do you do those? I don't personally do those. Um, when I do them, I'll typically go, uh, back of the hand to the sky, but I will say, like, if you do plate raises, your thumbs are up, and I still get good activation, I would say definitely just how do you feel your front delt more? Where do you feel it more? Which hand placement? Yeah, they'll hit it a little bit differently, but one isn't necessarily superior, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Next question. Any idea what causes shoulder popping? Mine started a lot. Any exercises to help relieve it? Um, shoulder popping, I mean... Uh, obviously if you're pushing heavy ass weight, that can impact, um, your shoulder popping. If your, uh, elbow is getting flared a little more, I would lighten the weight first off and then also hand positioning, how wide your hands are can make a difference in that as well. I know I get a little bit of shoulder popping. It's not painful. It's just like, sometimes I'll get a little bit of a shoulder pop never had any issues with it yeah really a huge thing is if it's painful versus if it's not painful yeah because sometimes you might just be you might just have air pockets in your shoulder that are just popping when you're going awesome now let's check instagram All right, I'm going to end this. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will see you on Monday.